0: Hey, welcome to our series, Problem of God, where we're answering big questions about faith. Is God real? Is Jesus the son of God? Is the Bible really God's word? We hope you'll join us for each and every one of these discussions as we continue traveling through Acts. Before you log off, don't forget to fill out that connection card. You can do it at branchlife.church and stay through the end of the talk today where I've got some more important information for you. We hope that this series helps answer some of life's big questions and thanks again for joining us for the problem of God.
1: Well, good morning. If this is your first time here, we're so glad you're here, but I got some good news and I got some bad news for you. You can be the judge of the good news or bad news. Uh, In this series that we've been going through, the problem of God, and we've been in the book of Acts, uh, we've seen all kinds of things. we talked about suffering. We've talked about miracles. We've talked about who Jesus is. And today we're going to talk about the supernatural, but someone had this great idea. To team preach today, so that means you do not only just get one pastor. You do not get two pastors, but you get three pastors, and you can be the judge whether that's good or bad. What is probably bad is whatever plans are after this. If you give three pastors a microphone, it is going to take a supernatural event to get this service done on time. I don't know. It's going to have something's going to have to happen, right? But today I'm excited too, because there's a story that we get to look at in Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 19. And there's a story in chapter 19 of Acts about this guy that was demon possessed. And this, with my sick humor, is one of these funny situations, not demon possession. It's not funny. Hold on. I'm taking that back already. right? But there's this time where God is moving. God is using Paul. To, to heal people, to cast out evil spirits. And there's these seven priests who were like professional people that cast out demons. And they saw Paul doing this stuff in the name of Jesus. So they thought they could go into this demon-possessed person and cast out that person in the name of Paul's God. These seven guys walk into this demon-possessed person. It says, in the name of Paul's God, get out. And that demon said, <laughs> you in what army. I know Jesus, I, I've heard of Paul, but who are you? And this demon proceeded to leap upon them and whoop them and gave the beating of their lifetime. And, and this is what humors me. And then he took their clothes and told them to get out. So now you've got these guys running through the street with no clothes. And you cannot turn the books of the Bible, the pages of the Bible, and not see some supernatural event take place. From the beginning of time, God created the world supernatural. As soon as we get into the Garden of Eden uh, with Adam and Eve, the serpent, the Satan, is tempting someone. We see angels bringing the good news of Jesus Christ's birth. We see people that are so possessed when the demons are cast out of them, they go into herds of pigs and go crashing into stuff. We see people chasing the mystical the, the the prophecy the 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 psychic the the Ouija boards of the time, right? And it's just amazing. And today we get to look at the problem of the supernatural. Whether you believe it or not, these are some statistics that come up. Ninety percent of people believe in some kind of god. Eighty percent of people believe in angels, and it goes down to fifty-seven percent believe in the devil or some kind of demonic thing. And then 40% of people believe in ghosts. Some people don't believe at all. Look at uh, what Conrad here says. The belief in a supernatural source of evil is not necessary. Men alone are quite capable of every wickedness. He's saying it doesn't take an evil supernatural force for us to be bad. So he doesn't believe in it. But here's a thought for you. As surely as there is a God... There's Satan. As surely as there is angels, there are demons. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 uh, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We can see that in our lives every day. There's people, I know growing up, these Ouija boards came in that people would want to, I, I want to know what my future's going to be. I want to know what's happened. These people get around this little thing. I don't know if you're familiar with Ouija boards or not, but they were trying to reach out to something. Right? We see evil acts go on with these shootings and schools and churches and things like that. There's just pure evil that goes on. And today we're going to look at that. We, Josh, Pastor Josh and Pastor Scott are going to handle this question for us today what should we do with the supernatural? And when we were talking about this sermon and we were talking about going through, this is a verse that popped into my mind. James 4, 7 through 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The posture that we need to take when handling the supernatural is to move towards the spiritual. That's the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God. And we see people in the Bible always being led by the spirit. And we need to move away from the mystical. Move away of the things that are dark. So as we get going, I'm going to open up to prayer and then Josh is going to take you home from well, this next section. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your words. We thank you that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, Lord. I ask that this time be beneficial for all as we study your words. I ask that you give Josh and Scott the words here, Lord, and I ask that you soften hearts, open ears, and open eyes. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Alex. So today, as we start addressing the uh, problem of the supernatural, what should Christians do with the supernatural? What's out there? Who's right? Are the 90% who believe in God right, or the 40%? Who are, or less, who believe in ghosts, right? And when you start looking at Scripture, uh, it's it's pretty clear that most of our world, most cultures, when they look at the supernatural, get it wrong. There is a belief in all kinds of monsters, all kinds of special powers out there. There is a belief in ghosts that is just not supported with the truth of Scripture. And so today, we are trying to give voice to the biblical perspective of the supernatural. So that that will combat the cultural uh, proposals that are out there. And what we're working on today is this statement that we need to move towards the spiritual, the spirit of God, and away from the mystical, away from the darkness. We need to move towards the truth and away from lies. We need to move towards Jesus and away from the devil. And so what we're going to talk about in two parts is part number one, how do we move towards the spiritual? What does that mean and what does it look like? And then Pastor Scott's going to tell us how do we move away from the mystical. So my section that I'll be covering today is moving towards the spiritual. And this comes from Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 19. And uh, uh, Pastor Alex already referenced a story that comes from Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 19. Uh, and in Acts chapter 16, as we continue through this series... Paul and Barnabas have completed their first journey where they're traveling from town to town, convincing people to believe in God. They're answering major questions that people ask, hence the series, The Problem of God. Last week in chapter 15, at the end of the chapter, Paul and Barnabas went separate ways, and they're beginning a second journey. Remember, they went back to Jerusalem. Now they're heading back out again. They got a new crew. They got more supplies. They're ready to go. It's chapter two in the missionary journey's of Paul and Barnabas. And right when they're getting ready to go on this big journey, they have to ask this question, where are we supposed to go? In Acts chapter 16, you start getting introduced to some new characters that come up. First character that comes up in Acts chapter 16, right in the beginning, is a guy named Timothy. Remember last, a couple of weeks ago, problem of suffering, Paul got stoned, he almost died, and he got redirected to Derby. Well, in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1, Paul also came to Derbe and Lystra, and a the disciple there named Timothy, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer and the father of a Greek. So here's someone who was living in both worlds. He was a Jew and a Gentile. He had, he had both parents from both worlds, was uh, spoken well of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So Paul brings Timothy on as his protege, right, as his disciplee, as his mentor, and God directs this relationship, and now Paul and Timothy, together with others, are ready to go out and change the world. We're ready for what's next. Now, how many of you are sitting here in this moment of time thinking to yourself, what's next? What, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to make this decision for the future? I don't know if we have any college or high school grads here, but if, if, that, if this is your graduation season, you're sitting right in this zone. You've graduated. What's next? Welcome to adulting, right? Bill's got to be paid. Parent, mom, and dad want you gone, you know, exactly right? That's one of the reasons we clap for the kids when they go to their groups. Mom and dad are like, yes, send them away. I got 45 minutes starting right now. Pastor Alex and Scott, go as long as you want, right? As long as the kids are taken care of. What's next? Maybe you're a business leader and you're coming out of the pandemic or a ministry leader and you're coming, kind of a small group leader. What's next for our small group? What's next for our family? Maybe you're getting ready for a big move or a change or a transition. Maybe your kids are phasing up as they grow through life and you're asking yourself, what's next? I want to know what's next. That's where Paul and Timothy found themselves. And this is the moment wherever you, whenever you're in this moment, this is the moment where you need to move towards the spirit need to move towards Christ. You need to move towards truth. You need to move towards the things of the Lord. Because what you want more than anything is to make the right choice. What you want is to go the right direction, to do the right thing, to have the right response. And how can we guarantee the right response? How can we guarantee the right choice is made? Well, you listen to the Spirit. And if God tells you to do it, you do it. And if God tells you not to do it, you don't do it. And that's what started happening to Paul and Timothy in Acts chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, and, and they're getting ready to go. They're traveling. They have this idea that they're going to go to a new region of the world. They're going to go to Asia, right, and they're spread the gospel to Asia, Asia Minor. And so they start traveling that way in Acts chapter 16, and they went through the region of uh, uh, Philadelphia and and Capernaum. Anyway, wherever they went through Persia and Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to ter- to speak the word of God in Asia. Wait a minute, what? God said, "No, I, I I forbid you from speaking here, from stopping here, from staying here. This is not your destination. This is not where you're going to spread." Wait, I thought I got to tell people about Jesus everywhere I go, right? Maybe you're one of those supermarket track people. I've got nothing against you, but everyone you meet, you're like, here's a track, here's a track, here's a track, here's a track, here's a track. Maybe, maybe just maybe, there's some people that don't need your track that day, right? Maybe they got all their hands full and their kids are are just screaming, and you come up and here, have one more thing here, have a track here, spit that. Eye. I know the child's upset, but take it, right? We're always just, we're always trying to like. Maybe this is the time we we here at Branch Life Church, we say, hey, there's there's kind of three things we want to do as a church. We want to pray, we want to invest, and we want to invite. And what we want to ask the Holy Spirit to do is show us exactly when is the right time to do the right thing. There have been moments where I have gone to friends' houses, to one's houses, to hospital rooms, where I have said, God, I, I want an opportunity to share the gospel in your way, in your time. Give me the right words, help me open these doors. And I've gone into that room, I've gone to that meeting, I've gone to that lunch, and I knew that I was not supposed to share the gospel. I remember asking my, my wife to pray for a certain time where I was meeting with a friend, and I, I went in, and I, I, the gospel, it just wasn't right. It didn't feel right. It wasn't set right. It just it didn't come up the way it was supposed to come up. I, I had boldness. I was ready, but the door was closed. I came back home, and Jane says, well, how'd it go? She I says, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't give the gospel. I wasn't supposed to. And that felt wrong. wrong well what did happen well he needed encouragement he just needed me to listen there was we we talked about family that had some some needs and some friends and we i prayed for that and and we talked over that but you know just the door wasn't right i remember in that very specific circumstance weeks later coming into the same conversation the same type of meeting having the same prayer support but this time the door wasn't shut spiritually it was open spiritually and I got the opportunity to share the gospel. I actually had some stuff in my hand that I was going to give him no matter what, right? And I was able to share the gospel. And in that time, he began weeping as he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. It was the right time. And that is exactly what Paul and Barnabas were doing in this moment. They were listening to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in this moment said, No. They went to speak the Lord in, in Asia when they had come up to. Mystia, and they attempted to go to Bithynia. I don't know who named these towns, but the Spirit of Lord Jesus did not allow them. They they wanted to go this way. God said no. They wanted to go this way. God said no. They wanted to go this way. God said no, and he was t- he was stopping them as they were getting ready to go on their journey. As you continue reading in the in the book of Acts, they keep going through the section. So uh, they went. Spirit of God did not allow them. In verse 9, then a vision appeared to Paul at night about a man in Macedonia standing there urging him to say, come over to Macedonia and help us. And in verse 10, concluding that God had called him to preach the gospel, they went on to Macedonia. Finally, they're like, we can't go this way. We can't go that way. We can't go this way. We can't go. God, where am I supposed to go? And through a vision, right, Paul sees he's supposed to go to Macedonia. That's the way we're going to go. That's who we're going to minister to. That's who God has us to speak to in these moments. If you're trying to figure out what God has for you next, when you're trying to figure out what God has for you next, you're asking God for wisdom. You're asking God for guidance. Have you ever been in that spot where you thought you were supposed to go to a certain way and he just shut the door? How'd that make you feel? Right? How? How? Honestly, were you like, God, thank you for shutting the door in my face. I really appreciate that. Now, most of the time, right, if you're anything like me, most of the time you're like, whoa, wait a minute here, God. That's the way I wanted to go. How dare you change my plans? How, I was working hard for that, and now all of a sudden, no? How am I supposed to get there? Lord, I thought this was the job you had for me, and now I'm fired? I thought this was the marriage I was supposed to have, and now now he's he's sick? I thought this was the family I was supposed to have, and my kids don't get along? Like, I don't understand. God, how come you're redirecting and, and making things go crazy for me all of a sudden? And we d- often don't appreciate it when God says no or when God redirects or when plans change. Here's what I want you to remember this morning when you're moving towards the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead and remember this. Redirection is still direction. Redirection is still direction. I can say thank you to God when he closes the door. I can say thank you to God when circumstances change. I can say thank you to God when something completely out of my control takes place. Why? Because I know that's in God's control. and When the rug gets pulled out from under me and when I know this is a dead end and I'm supposed to turn around and go to another direction, I can have this confidence in this moment that redirection is still clearly direction. How many of you have had a moment in your life, don't raise your hands, where you specifically know that God was directing or redirecting you? Maybe it was a a very supernatural experience where you... Felt the presence of God in a major way, and you knew that there was something you were supposed to do in that moment. I've told you the story of when I was driving down the road about a year ago, and I passed this family whose house had just burned down, and I, I was so busy that I, I just couldn't stop, and I got about i don't know half a mile past that and the supernatural presence of the lord was sitting on my chest i was hard to breathe i was like i know i'm supposed to turn around right so i turned around and i go back and that began this incredible ministry that we as a church were able to do for this family we felt the same way stepping into the story of charlotte charlotte who has been battling leukemia over the past six or seven months since thanksgiving uh, Charlotte and Lydia her mom who also was diagnosed with cancer many of you have been praying for them you've written cards you've given them you've given them encouragement there are thousands of families out there that are dealing with something like that but why are we involved with Charlotte we believe that the spirit has led us to this family through relationships and through connections and that the door was open for us to minister to them through this very difficult season often when god leads when god redirects he is redirecting not for for greater financial gain, right? Not for greater fame or greater promotion, which is often the thing that we're going after. Often he redirects us to people, to people that we never knew we were supposed to help. We may have never met otherwise. When God redirected Paul to Derby, he met Timothy. Now Paul's redirecting them to Macedonia, where there's a man waiting for them to to have the word of God spread. And now they're going to meet someone named Lydia. How many of you have a story where God directed or redirected you and it caused you to be able to minister or connect or build a relationship in a way you never thought would happen? I, I think we all have these stories. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge you on your ride home today from, from worship or at lunch today or wherever you are, if you're watching online, to share that story with someone. Tell someone about when God led you because those stories are Amazing. One of the reasons we're here today is because of God's leading. Years ago, my wife and I, Pastor Scott and Brooke and others began praying about should we plan a church? should we where should we plan a church? How should we plan a church? what what possible reason would we have to do that? and, and though we all, Scott Pastor Scott, Pastor Brooke, uh, Jenny, myself, Alex, everyone though we all were going different directions, God directed us together to this town, to this place. To this worship center, to this morning, why? For us, so that we could all be together. That's an awesome story. And when you lead, when you move towards the spirit, you begin to uh, enable him to lead you where he wants you to go. You see, the the psalmist knew this when he wrote in Proverbs chapter 16 verse nine. excuse me, Solomon, he said this, "The heart of the man plans his way. We all got plans, right? But the Lord establishes his steps. The Lord was gonna take you exactly where he wants you to go. The moment he wants you to go there, he's gonna provide for you exactly the resources you need to do exactly what he wants you to do. And so you need to be open and ready and willing to listen and let the Holy Spirit lead. Now, the big question is how? Maybe you're sitting there going, I don't know, I don't have that story. Like, I I don't know the last time that the Spirit led me and I knew I was supposed to do something. Well, the rest of the, the chapter shows us how to listen to the Spirit, how to move towards the Spirit, how to be open to the direction and the redirection of the Spirit. And all through the storytelling that happens in chapter 16 and then again in chapter 19, you catch... The spirit of Paul and Timothy as they're traveling, listening to the directing of the Lord. And what you start seeing over and over again is them leading into spiritual practices that the Bible lays out. In chapter 13, on the Sabbath day, on the day set aside for worship, they went to a place of prayer. In verse 16, as they were going to a place of prayer, in verse 25, when they were arrested and they couldn't, they were praying and singing hymns to God. They, over and over again, in order to move towards the Spirit, were purposely and intentionally involved in the things that God teaches us to do to draw close to Him. And when you draw close to God, as it says in James, He will draw near to you. You will be able to be in the presence of God through the practice of prayer. Through the practice of worship, through the practice of gathering together with the saints in the New Testament Sabbath day as we get in the first day of the Lord and gather to worship, and we lean into these habits. Why? Because we want to move towards the Spirit. And the closer you are to the Spirit, the more you're going to hear Him. The more you're going to see Him. The more you're going to be directed by Him. A little boy asked his father one day, he said, Dad, how big is a plane? And dad said, well, there's a plane right there. How big is it, son? Little boy looked up at the plane. He squinted. He goes, dad, it's really, really small. Put the boy in a car. He drove him to the airport, which was nearby. Came up to the fence where where the plane was parked right in front of the Massive, massive cargo plane. And he said, son, how big is that plane? He goes, dad, that plane is huge. The closer you are to God, the bigger he is. The closer you are to God, the bigger he is. And if you aren't, can't hear his voice, if he feels far away, if he seems distant, if you're scared of the things of this world, worried about the future tomorrow, not know where you're going to go, maybe it's because you're too far away of, from God to recognize his greatness. And what you need to do is do the things that God calls us to do so that we can get close to him. So he can be huge in our life. And when God is right next to you, he only has to speak in a whisper for you to hear. So are you regularly moving towards places of prayer, towards worship, towards the reading of God's word, towards the things that you know God has sent you to do? And when these things happen... Look at the incredible results in 16. Lydia, an incredible character in the New Testament, gets saved and baptized. When Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, the earthquake freed them from prison. The jailer got saved and then baptized. And in chapter 19, in the very first section of chapter 19, when they come to a brand new town, they find these people that want to follow faith. They had listened to John, but they had never accepted Jesus as their own personal Savior. And and Paul asked them, have you guys received the Holy Spirit? have you been baptized and they said we were baptized with John and Paul said no no no. you need to be baptized with Jesus you need to be baptized and become followers of Jesus they said yes we want to be baptized and follow Jesus so they were baptized and in that moment they received the power of the Holy Spirit the Gentiles received the power of the Holy Spirit in chapter 19 why because through baptism they move closer to the things of God they move closer to the Spirit of God And and the glory of God reigned in their lives. Maybe for you, if you're in a moment of decision, if you're looking for closeness to God, maybe you need to commit to a season of prayer and fasting. Maybe you need to commit to regularly being involved with worship on Sundays in a small group, serving on a team, whatever it may be. Maybe you've just never taken that step of baptism. You say, I just need to obey. Why? Because I want God to be big in my life. So if you're ready to do any of those things, we want to encourage you to let us know on those connection cards. How can we pray for you as you take those steps? When you check in on those cards today, let us know where God is leading you, how he's leading you to draw close to him. And maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to have a disease-free baptism. I don't know why Chris said that, but he said, you know, I like it, you know. Germ-free. And you can get baptized at Branch Life Church. I I think we have one set up for next Sunday, if I'm not correct. We have a baptism next Sunday, which happens between these services outside. And if you're ready to jump into that, let us know. We can set up for any week. And we'd love, love to celebrate your baptism. Why? Because that's how we draw close to God. The warning that we see in the scripture is simply this. Do not mix biblical spirituality with worldly spiritualism. It's said that we should cleanse our hands, you sinners, and purify your minds, you double-minded. And so many of us We think we need to add to prayer and worship and gathering and Bible reading and baptism. We think we need to add to these things to get closer to the spiritual God. And that's a lie from the devil. Do not mix biblical spirituality with worldly spirituality. Anything you have connected to darkness, the Bible says throw it away. And Pastor Scott's going to tell us more about that.
2: Josh as we continue to, to work through our passage this morning and we're going to take this step of moving away from the mystical moving away from those from that that idea of darkness and that we're going to continue to look at at Acts chapter 16 and and verse 19 and we want to come back to Acts chapter 16 and we have this story in this account of, of Paul ministering in a city and and things are going great and 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 stuff seems to be at the surface level like this was the type of thing that you would want. Verse 16 of chapter 16 says this, As we were going to the place of prayer, there's that idea again, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Seems like a great thing, right? And she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. So here you have this this young woman who's, who's seemingly saying something very positive and good. Like we're talking about the most high God. We're talking about the way of salvation and then Paul eventually gets annoyed and casts out this demon and you say why in the world was Paul annoyed was he just kind of having a, a bad day did he did he skip a meal that is you know did something happen here and and i think the the move that Paul took and the move that we need to take is that we want to test the spirits 1 john Four one uses that phrase we need to test the spirits and, and what what may not come out in this passage for us today uh, was it, it wasn't quite as straightforward in Paul's day as what it might read in our, our English Bibles today And the reason for it is that 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 phrase the most High God is a phrase that is used a lot in the Bible to speak of God, especially in the Old Testament. Also, in Greek culture and in the Greek language, it was used to refer to Zeus. And so maybe it wasn't quite so crystal clear that this gal was like encouraging people to listen to Paul. And maybe there was something more that was going on than just, hey, this girl keeps talking over the preacher, which, which thank you for not doing that this morning. But, but you know, what, what was going on here? And then that phrase there that that he's proclaiming the way of salvation could also be understood maybe as a way of salvation. And so again, Paul is sitting here, this this gal has gone on and and he tested the spirits. He said, this girl is not coming from a good place. She has a spirit inside of her. She was known to be one that, that her owners could make money off of from fortune telling. She was not involved in spiritual types things. And then the message that she was sharing was confusing at best. And sometimes when we think about testing, there's a lot of different types of tests that you can take. You know, when you cook, you taste test uh, what you're cooking, hopefully your family will appreciate that if you, you know, is this like actually tastes good? And so you, you take a little spoonful of whatever you're working on and you say, oh, this, this needs a little more salt or, or let's add a pinch of pepper to this. And, And you can kind of like make stuff taste better and, and you're, you're seasoning as you're going along. And so that's one type of test. And sometimes people like do that with their spirituality. Josh was just kind of talking about that. Like, Hey, we've got this spiritual walk and, and something's a little wrong or something's a little off. So we're going to add a little pinch of this. We're going to add a little pinch of that. And we're going to try to make this be better. That is not the type of test that uh, is being encouraged by scripture. There's a different type of test that you take. And it's to determine like if you have poison inside of you. You know what they really do when that test comes back positive? It's not like, oh, let's just make that taste a little better. They do things like pump your stomach. They do things like to give you medicine that will expel in a variety of ways that we won't talk about this morning, that substance from your body. You wanna get it away from you as far as possible. And when it comes to talking about and thinking about, what do we do to move away from the spirit? That's more of the type of test that we're doing. When we find something that's connected with darkness, with Satan, with evil, we want to get rid of it. We want to expel it as far away from us as possible. And you start to ask, well, well, well what do we do? Like, how do we figure out which is which and what's good and what's bad? Listen to this quote by Charles Lawless. He's a professor at a, at a seminary. Way smarter than me. Um, and and but he put this phrase. Uh, saying counterfeiting the divine is Satan's first tool for deceiving believers. Consequently, the primary task of the spiritual warrior is not to know Satan well. It is to know God so intimately that Satan's counterfeit becomes obvious in comparison. Sometimes when, when people, we start talking about spiritual beings and demons and all of that. Like you, you dive in and you're like, I got to figure all this out. And you know what is surprising? The Bible is very clear that there are spiritual forces, good and evil. There's not a lot of details in the Bible of what those things are like. So then you think, well, I got to figure this out. So then you start going into all sorts of other places other than the Bible and you get into a lot of trouble that way. Because people just make up crazy stuff to sell books or to do whatever. Do you know what the Bible tells us a lot about? God. Do you know what you can be completely clear about? Knowing who he is and the type of things that he values and loves. And so when you test the spirit, you're testing it against the ultimate perfect example of God. As we continue through our passage then, and, and we take another step and another move, we, we come to Acts chapter 19, and, and God is doing a great work in Acts 19. Paul is, is having a tremendous ministry to the point where, as a as a kind of special uh, explosion of, of God's work in that area, the clothes that come into contact with Paul, maybe the stuff that he used to like Wiped the sweat off of his brow while he was building tents or, or different things like that were being taken from people and, and taken to sick people, and they were getting healed just by get, encountering Paul's clothing. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing thing that was a, a special circumstance. And, and uh, Alex mentioned earlier this story of that was one of his, and it is a, it is a crazy, funny story. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, but you have these itinerant Jewish exorcists. So there's these guys. They make a living going around the country doing something uh, uh, related to, to, to spirits and that, or at least that's what they claim, and, and undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. They wanted to get in on this work of God that, that Paul was, was a part of. And they said, I assure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims, the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, "Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you?" And the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them mastered all of them and overpowered them, so they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And and sometimes when we're uh, we get Guys tend to do this more often than ladies. Ladies, you have much more wisdom than, than men do. But you, we get all excited and we think we can conquer the world, right? I remember in my neighborhood growing up, we had uh, my best friends were down the street. They were twins. They were a year older than me. And we, we managed to encourage each other to get into all sorts of trouble. So they had in their front yard they they had a little hill that went down from the street and then went up and there was a tree that they had to to cut down in their yard and so then there was a stump and they cut it off really close to the ground and it made a great ramp for our bikes so we would come zooming down we'd go down off the street down the little hill then hit the bike and you know hit the 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 stump and and jump our bikes off of course this was great fun but it wasn't enough, right? Like we gotta do more. So then we egged my friend on. I was probably smart enough to realize that I couldn't pull this off, but we thought maybe he could. I said, you know what would be even better is, let's see if you can do a flip in the air as you go off of this tree stump. Asher's in the other room, so I'm safe telling the story, right? So what happens? He runs, revs off the bike, goes as fast as he can, goes, flips back, and lands straight on his head. Breaks his collarbone, and is out of commission for weeks. Right? Sometimes we go and you're here on Sunday, Pastor Josh gives one of his best messages, like, pick a Sunday, really? Like they're all good. (laughs) There we go. say, I'm going to conquer the world. I'm going to go out. We're going to get these demons out of Pottstown. We're going to go like save the world. We're going to go this and I'm going to, we're going to take it. I've got the power of Jesus. We're going to get this done. These guys went and did that. Didn't work out so well for them. Here's the move that you need to make. When we're talking about moving away from the demonic, that doesn't mean, hey, go seek them and figure it out. Because the reality is, is there's not a single instance in the Bible where someone actively sought out a demon in order to engage it. That's from uh, gotquestions.org. Now, the only caveat would be, I would say like successfully or wisely. We just saw a story of some guys that tried that and it didn't work out so well. But this includes even Jesus, right? People were brought to Jesus and he healed them, he cast out demons. He came across in his, his normal travels, people. Uh, the same type of things happened to Peter and Paul. But they did not go on a war trying to root out and find demons. Just don't mess with it. Don't seek it out. Don't seek the demonic. Acts chapter 19 continues on. And uh, the, the last kind of move away from the mystical is this. So, this, this happens in this, this town. They see the great works that Paul's doing. They see it doesn't go so well for these counterfeit exorcists, and, and many people come to know Jesus as Savior. And it says also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And the number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. 50,000 pieces of silver. That would be the equivalent of like 137 people's wages for a year if they worked every day of the year and never took a day off, right? So this is a a significant amount of sacrifice that that they took. And and what they did and what the lesson is for us today is this, that we need to separate from the demonic. We need to, to take steps away from it. And we need to get rid of the things that were connected with that. I don't don't know what's in your house. We talked about Ouija boards before. We can talk about all sorts of things. And we're not talking about, you know, books that have a story in it about some, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about items that are actually used in some type of false religion and actually attempting to connect with dark spiritual or other spiritual forces. And sometimes, you know, we hold on to stuff. We don't know how they got there, but we think, well, maybe sometime, you know, maybe you've got a latent, like, hoarder gene somewhere in you and you have a hard time throwing away things. Like, we, we think you are going to keep on to, to different things. Just get rid of it. Don't Don't keep it. Now, setting up a bonfire, like, in your neighborhood might not be the best way to do it, but... But get rid of the stuff. It does, you don't need it. You won't need it. Only trouble can come from it. We live in a culture and in a, in a time where, okay, maybe we believe in spiritual things, but we, we don't take it too seriously. we can say confidently that the spiritual forces in this world are real. God is spirit and is interacting with us. There are spiritual forces and we want to be strengthened by God and his spirit and, and we want it to avoid and step away, to move away from the mystical, to move away from the dark spiritual forces in our world. And I would just give you a couple of things. We've kind of hinted at them as we've gone through. But the first is connected to that idea of testing the spirits. And and I would just ask you, whenever you hear a message, and this includes here on Sunday at church, ask these three questions. Who is saying it? What are they saying? And why are they saying it? And if it comes back and it, it's coming from, from someone that's, that's not connected with Christianity or has a, a bad view of God, it may not be good to be involved with. If they're saying something that, that maybe could be interpreted, if you looked at it with the right eye and in an optimistic way, as like a positive, kind of like the, the girl, like the most high God, like maybe it could go one way or the other. Like, no, just, just get rid of it. And, and if they're doing it, for the benefit of other people, like, or, or for themselves to get money or to, or to get rich or that type of thing, like, also another sign. Move on. And then, secondly, we just talked about it, but throw out anything demonic. Anything that, that, that is there and that is connected with the worship of false gods, false spirits, connecting with something that isn't. We've been talking about this morning about these two moves. The move to the spiritual and to pursuing God and the move away from the mystical and the the demonic, the the evil. And and you can kind of think that there may be kind of like a spectrum that you fall on anywhere in between. This side of good and and this side of evil and, and Satan. And in a sense that's true, but the reality is is that there are only two sides and you're on one of the side or the other we've been addressing this conversation this morning as if as if most of you are on the side of God and, and following him but we just want to to say that this is or this is not something that like is incremental. There is a time and a place when you step from one side to the other. Ephesians talks about it in this way. It says, And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's, that's Satan. That's the mystical. That's the, the dark. Among whom we all once lived, we were all, whether you grew up like I did in church and were there 15 times a week because your dad was the pastor, or, or you're here and this is the first time you've, you've ever heard anything about the Bible. We were all on that side at one point. But God, being rich in mercy, <coughs> because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ has moved us to the other side and how does that happen by grace you have been saved by grace you have been saved so the question that I have on you for you this morning is there's only two sides which side are you on have you stepped into the side by grace on on Jesus and God? Are you part of that side of the spiritual equation? The Bible's very clear about how that can become a reality. You just need to admit that you're on the other side, that because of your sin, you're separated from God, you've spent your life dishonoring the one that's made you, and that he has made the way for you to come to him through Jesus Christ who came and died in our place to give us victory over sin and death and the grave and restore our ability to honor God forever. And if you believe that and then confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. And we'd invite all of you that maybe have not yet made that step, that move, that this might be the moment where you set aside all those things Maybe you've dabbled in a little of this and a little of that, and that you would take a decisive step towards becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. You can learn more about this uh, on our gospel page, on our website. You can access that at any point. Our prayer team will be here at the front to, uh, to pray with those. If you have questions about that, they would love to interact with you and pray with you this morning about that. If you need help in your spiritual life of taking this step towards, uh, towards the spirit and away from the mystical. They, they would love to pray with you and encourage you in those things. Please check in with us and, and let us know how we can pray and encourage you uh, this week as you take these steps towards Jesus Christ. Let me, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you uh, for your love. Uh, we thank you for your grace that you have uh, moved me and many of us this morning to, to your side of the equation. We pray that if there are those that are here that have not yet made that decision, that today would be the moment of their salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening through this talk in our Problem of God series. And we hope that the discussion today helped answer some questions that you might have about faith and that you've taken a step further in your spiritual journey. Before you go, make sure to fill out your connection card at branchlife.church. We'd love to know that you joined us through this video session today. If you have any questions about what we covered, that's the place to ask those questions. We hope that you'll join us again next time, and thanks again for being a part of this series.